Are we on? Oh, yeah. You know, most of the time when I go places, they, they and I've been quite a few places, and they say, are you from Texas? And uh, I'm close. I'm just about an hour north, you know, so I'm, I'm close to being from Texas. But anyway, it's good to be with you today. Rodney's a great friend. I want you to know you've got a fantastic leader, a uh, tremendous leader, uh, two-time state wrestling champion, tremendous football player, quick hands, quick feet, could play baseball, run track. He could do it all. He's got a brain this big around. How in the world he gets it in that little bitty head, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, someone did a good job of packing. I'm telling you, he could be, and I'm not saying this because he's here. I'm telling you, he could have been a brain surgeon. He could have done anything in the world. He's he's tremendously gifted guy. Okay, he's here because he's following God's leadership. That's why he's here. Okay, he's not here to make a name for himself. He's here to lead you to the throne of grace. I praise God for Rodney. He has a great wife and Laura, and he's a great friend. I just appreciate the opportunity to come and share with you. I'm amazed at your community. I went to Walmart, and man, I was impressed. I thought I was at one of them up, uptown-style places. We don't have that rock entry to ours, you know, and that little, that little deal hanging over the top and shrubbery in the middle of the parking lot. Man, y'all are good. I mean, we got hay bales stacked out behind ours, you know, and you look out behind our Walmart, it's kind of a glorified barn. We got cows out there, and, and you know, now, I tell you what, though, we got something y'all don't have. We, you get a car wash at our our Walmart, uh, it's not real car wash, but there's a sprinkler that doesn't work right. And if you just stop right there when you're coming in, it'll blast you. Then stop the other way and you get both sides clean pretty easy. But I was impressed. Okay, it's nice to be with you today. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews. We read it a while ago. Chapter 11, verses 20, 21, and 22. Let me give you a little, let me just set the stage for what we're going to do today. My wife Pam is with me today, by the way. Uh, we, they used to call us Beauty and the Beast, and I'll give you, a, you know, you can pretty much figure who the beauty is, but uh, anyway, I told someone the other day, she just keeps getting better looking and I'm getting uglier. You know, I don't know how that works, but anyway, it does, but I'm, I'm thankful she's my helpmate. She's great, wonderful person and uh, 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 supports me. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, when I throw up, she says, way to go, honey. That's so good, you know. So she's just pretty encouraging type person for me, okay? I appreciate her. Uh, but anyway, uh, you can tell I've been a youth guy, right? But anyway, um, okay, we're in Hebrews 11. Now, I'm going to give you how I believe uh, Hebrews is. I think it'll help you to understand the book. And uh, and uh, Rodney and I haven't talked about this in depth, so he may have a little different perspective of Hebrews. I don't know, and that's Okay. Uh, Hebrews is, you know, it's written anonymously. We don't know for sure who wrote it. We know it's scripture. We know it's from God, but we don't know who he used to pen it for sure. Okay. A lot of people have different opinions about that. Uh, we won't go into that because it would be pure speculation, but here's what we do believe. And I, I think you can get real close is it was written by a Jewish man. He knows all the things about Jewish culture, Jewish life, Jewish religion. He's got that down. It's a Jewish man probably written to Jewish people living in Rome. Okay, they're living in Rome, and here's what's happened. In Rome, the rule was this. As long as you had a homeland, you could keep your religion. Now, why would Rome make a rule like that? Well, because when they conquered people, and if you've studied Rome at all in world history, you know that they conquered people often. Okay? They conquered a lot. Well, if they let these people keep their religion, they were a lot easier to control. Make sense? If you let them keep and keep worshiping like they're used to worshiping, then they were much easier to control. Well, here's what happens. The Jews in Rome, some of them are Jews practicing Judaism, and some of them have become Christians. Now, the Roman government just lumped them all as Jews, but here's what happens. The Jews who are practicing Judaism suddenly say, they're not like us. They're not Jews. 
They're practicing this weird religion following this man called Christ. They're not like us. So suddenly here's what happens. Jews in Rome who are Christians begin to be persecuted, lose their stuff, lose their property, lose their jobs, thrown in prison, begin to be persecuted. So here's what, what's happened. Maybe you're one of these people. You don't know the Lord today, but you're one of those kind of folks that you kind of hang around with folks who do. You come to church, you do the churchy things, you do the Christian things, okay? But you haven't come to full faith in Christ. Well, I believe personally, and I think a number of scholars would agree with me, that this is his main audience that he's talking to. So he's talking to people who are going to church. They've, they're doing the Christian things, but they're, they, don't, they haven't really come to saving faith. Well, here's what's happened. They're, they're losing their jobs. They're losing their stuff. They're being persecuted. They're being thrown in prison. Suddenly, they say, you know what? We can believe this Jesus stuff and go back to practicing Judaism. It'd be a whole lot easier. So the message of Hebrews is, don't go back. Because that's a dead end. Because all through Hebrews we hear, we see the writers saying, because Jesus is superior to the prophets, he's superior to Moses, he's superior to Abraham, he's superior to the angels, he's superior, he's superior. In fact, he is sufficient, he's everything. So don't go back, go forward to faith. So now we come to Hebrews 11. And so he's emphasizing faith, 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 faith. And so we, we're down to... We're going to talk about three guys today, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Okay, if you have your Bible with you, we've already read through that passage. Just hold it there at 11, chapter 11, verses 20, 21, and 22. Okay, we'll read it in just a moment. I don't know if you... Uh, I've, I've entitled this, The Triumphal or The Triumphant Exit. You know, this, this message today is really not about death. You say, oh, great, we got a guest speaker, and he's going to tell us how to die. You know, uh, how encouraging. But the point of it is, is I don't know if you know this, and I don't want anyone to pass out from the heat or from, from being shocked, but you will die. Hello? Can I, get a, can I get a witness? You will die. Now, it may be soon, and it may be a long time from now, but you will die. And so the writer of Hebrews in this hall of faith, we call it, chapter 11, goes through uh, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham. And after this, he'll go through Moses. But he's telling us they lived by faith. They lived by faith. They lived by faith. They lived by faith. And now suddenly he gets to three guys. And if you'll notice in these three verses, they're all dying. And so see, it's not just about living by faith, but... It's about going out waving the flag triumphantly. A triumphant exit. And you see, you're going to go out someday. Now, Jesus may return first and you may get to go alive. I don't know. But you know what? I've observed. I'm 53 years old. And you know what I've observed? We all die. Only two guys got out of here alive that I know of. So we all die. True? We all die. So he's going to tell us now, he's told us how to live, and now he's going to tell us kind of how to die. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a triumphant exit before from something. I remember, I remember uh, playing in a football game. We're playing the reigning national champions, and we're ahead seven to nothing. 
until about the middle of the fourth quarter. It looks, it looks like we're going to upset them. Now, you've got to understand, at the time, we're 0 and 5. And they scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and beat us. I remember the very next year, my senior year, we were playing in a football game and, and we're leading the, what that year would be the runner-up national champions. They would actually finish second and, and, and they're highly ranked and we're unranked and we're, we're a little better than the year before, but not great. And we, we, we play so hard and we're, we're leading with eight seconds left and they throw a fade in the corner of the end zone. The guy gets one foot in in college, that's all it takes, catches it, touchdown. They win, we lose. Man, I wasn't waving the flag that night. I was hacked. number of other times I've walked off the field not triumphant. But I remember one time when a team rolled into our place, 9-0, and oh, and they left 9-1. 50-6. And we just get, we let them have the six is a mercy thing. Third team was in. Man, I was waving the flag. Ah, wave the flag. You know what I'm saying? So here's what this passage is about. Waving the flag of faith no matter what. Wave the flag of faith no matter what. Let's read it. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Now, when did he do this? He was dying, by the way. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. That word staff, some translate that bed. We don't know if he was kneeling his bed, but the majority go with staff, so we'll go with staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his, about his bones. I've, I've been present when people went to the next life. I've seen them struggling for breath. I've seen them in pain. I've seen them at peace. I've seen them struggling. I've seen at least a measure of faith in most. Some I've seen in triumph. So why this topic today? Because it's important. You know, here's, here's what we've kind of tended to do in the church world is is talk about the love of God and how glorious it is to serve God, and very true. But, but the modern church world almost wants to paint this picture of, if you know God, everything will always go your way. That's just not so. And you can't read about the men of God and, and even begin to believe that. Because the men of God in Scripture, most of the time, things did not go their way. But they were instruments in God's hand, and it went His way, and they embraced that. Whether it was, it was pain, sorrow, suffering, whatever. Make sense? So today, it's a triumphant exit. So we deal with three characters, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and their actions at death. Listen to what the Bible says. For a believer to go out with joy, confidence, and hope leaves a terrific witness to the ultimate defeat of the flesh, the devil, in this world. Listen to what Psalms 116.15 says. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. Now, did these three characters always live faithfully? No, they did not. At times their faith was weak. Their lives demonstrate that. Often they were weak, okay? 
But then again, Scripture often speaks well of these guys. What does that show us? It shows us even weak, frail people who often fail can leave a a legacy of faith. Just like Abraham, these men never got to see the promises, the earthly promises God made. They didn't get to see it. They They never got to see it. But you know what the Bible says about them? By faith. By faith. Write this down. If you're keeping track of points, got three quick points. Won't stay long. Got three quick points. Number one, we look at verse 20. Number one, Isaac had faith through failures. Isaac had faith through failures. Now, it's interesting. Isaac lived longer than any of the patriarchs. He was the oldest when he died. He lived longer. Yet, in Scripture, Jacob... Abraham, Joseph, they get about 12 plus chapters dedicated to them. Do you know how many Isaac gets? Two and a half. Now, how many of you are the baby of your family? I'm not going to raise my hand, but I'll show you how to do it. This means raise your hand, okay? There's a few of you. Now, I I wouldn't pick at y'all at any today, okay? Uh, We have three children, and we have a baby, and she's the baby of the family, and and, uh, she pretty much acts like a baby sometimes, okay? Because she's the baby, okay? Now, you think about this. Isaac was born to a lady 90 years old. And he was it. And she waited a long time for him. In fact, when his half-brother treated him ugly... She kicked him out, sent him packing. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of get the picture from Scripture that Isaac might have been a little bit spoiled. Maybe just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit, right? Sure he was. Okay? I mean, he never even got to scratch his knee. I mean, it was just like this. I mean, they never took the training wheels off his bicycle, I guarantee you. You want, you want to know proof? His dad sent a servant to find him a woman. Hello? Yeah, I mean, he didn't, it wasn't like, hey, Dad, I've been checking out this gal. And I think it might be. No. You don't find Jacob doing that. Jacob went and got his own. Right? Sure he did. What happened? Dad said, stay here, son. I'll find you one. I don't know. I don't know. And we see, you know, Growing up with Abraham as your father, your earthly father, and Sarah as your mother, you'd think this guy would be this this fearless stud muffin, okay? But we don't see that. What do we see in Isaac? We see that the first time he's challenged a little bit, you know what he does? He did did just like Abraham did. He said, no, she ain't my wife. She's my sister. Why did he do that? he, He was so concerned for her welfare, right? No, he was giving her to a pagan. He said, take her, just don't hurt me. You know, that was it. I mean, come on. I mean, what do we see? What do we see in Isaac? Isaac had faith through failures. If you look at Isaac's life, here's what you see. You see failure, little failure, after little failure, after little failure, after little failure, after little failure. Now, let's talk about you. And in two and a half chapters, you'll see a whole list of little failures in his life. Let's talk about you for just a second. Does that define you? You know, I haven't done real well at growing hair the last few years. That's a failure. 
You know, I've got lots of failures, a multitude of failures. And if you came in here today thinking, you know what? I don't know if God can do anything with me because, you know, I've failed at this. You know, I did real good in math till they started putting letters in it. I don't understand that. I was a whiz kid in math. I truly was. In second grade, I was in a fourth grade book. I thought, man, I'm going to be a math genius, okay? And then that guy started dropping them letters in there, and I went, hold up a minute here. You're in the wrong class, buddy. You need to get them letters out of here. That's the other down the hall, English. That's where he put letters. You know what I'm saying? X, and that, you know, it's, it's, everybody was hung up on X. Who cares? X, you don't ever use it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Unless your name's Xavier, you know. I mean, you don't ever use X, you know? So what are you a failure at? You know what a lot of people do? Is they keep a list of all those failures in their life. And it causes them to wilt. And they think, you know, God can't use me. I might as well give up. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. I failed here. I failed there. Maybe today you walked in, you, you're a failure as a daddy. Let me tell you something. You're going to have to work if you're going to fail as bad as me as a daddy. I'm hot-headed. I'm impatient. I'm demanding. I'm intense. I, I expect everybody else to have my intensity. My, my third child's getting a lot better deal than the first two because I've realized I was a meathead. But you know what? There's some failure there. Some failure to recognize the important things about being a dad. A failure to recognize some important things about being a youth leader, about being a pastor, about being a husband. Your average woman would have left me after six months because I knew more than everybody else and thought I knew more than everybody else and thought I knew how the marriage was going to be and I wasn't reading no stupid book. And don't try to tell me how it's going to be. I'm the man, you're the woman. I got that figured out and that's enough. You say, you didn't really act like that. Oh, yeah, I did. And you know what she did? She just hung in there. So let me tell you something. I could write a book about my failures. But you know what? The truth is, God's interested in my faith. You see, Isaac is praised in Scripture. <laughs> Isaac's not hampered in Scripture. He's praised. You said, well, oh, 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 oh. You just said he had all these failures. That's right. He's praised in Scripture. Why? Because even through those failures, he was a man of faith. Here's what he said. He said, God I'm trusting you. Did he screw up? Yes. Messing up was he in his DNA. I can connect with that. But you know what? He, he, he was a man of faith. He chose to believe God. He chose to trust God. He, to he, he chose to tell his children of the importance of faith in God. He chose to love God even in the midst of his failures. You know, he didn't even get the... He, he, the whole family got shamed. Why? He tried to, he tried to give Esau the, pass the mantle to Esau instead of Jacob. And he knew. He knew who was supposed to get it. But you know what? He continued to trust God even through his failures. Today, if you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you know what? 
I've been a failure. Let me tell you something. I want you to know, if you'll exercise faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and trust that he has a purpose and a plan for your life, I don't care how much you failed. I don't care how many times you've fallen down. I don't care how many times you've skinned your knee, you've bumped your head, you've screwed something up. I want you to know that God wants you to have a triumphal exit from this life. He wants you to have a triumphal path through this life. And here's what he's saying to you today. Turn your back on the failures, look to me and trust me in faith, and I'll lead you through this mess that you've made. I believe that. Next, write this down. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob had faith through conflict. Jacob had faith through conflict. Now, some of you are like this, this, this truck I came up behind the other day. As I was coming up behind it, I was going. The front of it was here, and the back of it was over here. Have you ever seen one like that? It was kind of going down the road. You know what I mean? You've seen those, and I'm going, what's the deal? And the guy driving it was happy. I mean, he, it was an old Ford Ranger, and it was just it was going down the road like this. Now, you know what that no, uh, you know what, you know, what I know, well, look at that truck. The frame's been bent and he got cosmetically. It ain't looking too, it wasn't looking too bad, you know, but I guarantee you the tires wear out about every 3000 miles. You know what I'm saying? Cause they're going down the road sideways. <laughs> Here's what I know by looking at that truck. There's been some trauma. Now I want to know, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of y'all going through life? <laughs> Cause there's been some trauma. Cause there's been some trauma. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's. Mental, maybe, maybe it's because of failures. You know, poor old Jacob, this guy, his life is just defined by conflict. Conflict, conflict, conflict. Let me read a few of them because I've got, I've got them all notated here. Much like his father, he, his spiritual journey was up and down. One scholar said this about him. Sometimes he walked by faith and other times he stumbled by sight. In Genesis 25, he convinced his brother to sell him his birthright. In Genesis 27, he connives with his mother to trick his way into the blessing, even though that was God's intention. Anyway, that he have the blessing, not that they trick others. In Genesis 28, Jacob praised the Lord when he had the dream of the heavenly ladder. Then, in, then later in Genesis 28, he bargains with God. In Genesis 29, he gets tricked by his father-in-law. What goes around, comes around, what comes around, whatever that saying is, you follow what I'm saying here? Kind of happened to him. In Genesis 30, Jacob's wealth explodes, and there's a conflict with his brothers-in-law. In Genesis 31, Laban's sons, his father-in-law, sons, which is his brother-in-law, become jealous over his, his wealth. And so he packs up and leaves, and, but his father-in-law follows, and there's temporary conflict as his father-in-law accuses him of taking something that belonged to him. In Genesis 31, Jacob acknowledged God's blessings. In Genesis 32, he fears a conflict with Esau because of, he's cheated him before he knows Esau's after his life. In, 30, in Genesis 32, he wrestles with God. In 33, then he makes peace with Esau. In 34, Jacob's sons shame him. In Genesis 35, his wife dies. In Genesis 37, Jacob's family sins against God, against him and against each other when they sell Joseph into slavery. Jacob's entire life is nothing but a conflict. He fights with God, his father, his brother, his wife, his boys, and his neighbor. His character is that of a trickster. He was a wandering nomad, wandering around, and here and there, he died outside of the land of promise, having never received the promises promised to his grandfather. And yet when he was dying, you know what he did? 
he laid his hands on Joseph's sons and blessed them. In firm belief that what? They were going to inherit the promises that God had promised. Now here's a guy, his whole life, he's a trickster. His whole life, he's, he's in conflict with somebody. And yet in the final analysis, what do we read in Hebrews? By faith. By faith. You know, we live in a world that it's real popular today to blame others, right? I mean, how many, how many times do you see ball players or politicians come on the screen and say, I did it. I did it. That screw up down there is my fault. I'll find out who did this and who's responsible. I'm responsible, but not really. I mean, that's what we hear, isn't it? Well, it wasn't really my fault. No one wants to take responsibility, right? You know what? Jacob pretty much takes responsibility. You know what the Bible says about Jacob? By faith. All those conflicts, a life of turmoil, topsy-turvy, up and down, good stuff, bad stuff, just a, a, a circus, so to speak. And you know what the Bible in Hebrews says about him? By faith. Guys, I want you to know something. You probably do. The only way to be saved from the beginning of time to the end of time is by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's all. That's all. You know how Jacob was saved? Because he believed God. What does that mean? Jacob, let's, let me paint it for you. This is a real simple picture. You know what? Abraham, was? Uh, his faith was counted as righteousness. You know what that means? Abraham was here. He could look back and see Noah and the men of faith before him, and he could look ahead and see, you see that cross up there? He could look ahead and see the cross. Did he understand it all? No. But you know what God said? God said, I'm going to send a perfect sacrifice. I'm going to make provision for you, Abraham. Trust in my provision. And Abraham said, God, I trust in your provision. So you know how Abraham was saved? By faith. You know how Jake, Isaac was saved? By faith. You know how Jacob was saved? By faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now, where are we? We're out there in the hall. We're on the other side of the cross. And what do we do? We look back at the cross and we say, praise God. It's by faith, my friends. But you see, here's what we have a tendency to do. We get wrapped up in failures. We get wrapped up in the little conflicts that go on in life. And, and we say, well, I must be a failure. I must give up. Uh, there's no, no sense in me going forward. Let me tell you something. These men were full of failure. They were full of conflict, but they kept their faith. They kept focused on what was truly significant and got, and, and the Bible lifts them up and says, these were men of faith. They continue to believe me no matter what happened in their life. That's what he says to you. That's what he says to you. And let me tell you this. What you sow, you reap. Why did Jacob reap so much conflict? Because that's what Jacob sowed a lot. But you know, that wasn't all he sowed. The Bible says he sowed faith. I, was, uh, I don't have a lot of hobbies. I'm pretty busy in the, in the ministry. And uh, I, um, I broadcast football games. 
once a week during football season. And that's a hobby. And I have a garden. That's a hobby. Now, in my garden, I grow things that I like to eat. I don't grow stuff that I don't like to eat. Okay? You know what I'm saying? I mean, peas don't even get close to my garden. We've got a sign up in front, no peas. All right? Okay? I had to eat green peas when I was a little kid. Not because I liked them, but my mom would always say, pick out something green that's on the table. You've got to eat one thing green. Well, I picked peas. Not because I liked them, but because you don't have to chew them to swallow them. Those little mushy green peas, you know what I'm talking about? Now, she put them in that white gunk. Oh, nasty. Okay? But sometimes, and they're floating around that white gunk, but you can drain the white gunk off and put them on your plate. You get a whole big old heaping spoonful, and you can put them in, chase it with tea, and you don't have to chew. Okay? So I always pick peas, but I, don't, I, I can eat them now a little bit sprinkled in something else, you know? You know what I'm saying? Okay, but I don't just eat them, okay? That's like Superman didn't have kryptonite, okay? Lev don't eat peas, you know what I'm saying? I just don't do that. But anyway, I have a garden. Well, now I have, I have for a guy my age, I have pretty good eyes, but I, I grew up a 2010 vision. My dad used to, when he'd lose something, he'd hire me to find it because I could find it. Okay, I had great eyes. Well, now my eyes have slipped a little bit. Well, I was planting my garden and, and you know, you get up the package, it's got this little bitty print on there and it has, it has check marks on what it is. So I planted some cucumbers. We don't eat a lot of cucumbers. We, we don't do a lot of canning or anything, but I just like to eat a few, you know. So I'm watching them, and they're doing good. Boy, they're just growing, spreading out. And I'm going, yeah, any day now. Well, I get another, and I raise a leaf up the other day. And there's a thing about, uh, oh, let's see, about like the, you know, the metal part of a pencil and then the eraser? There's a little fuzzy thing about that long. And I went, that must be a different kind of cucumber. <laughs> I've never seen one like that. So I come back a few days later. And there's a cantaloupe about this big around there. I said, how did that cantaloupe grow on that cucumber vine? <laughs> well, see, here's what really happened. When I was reading that package, cantaloupe, cucumber, they close together. And I didn't have my glasses on that day. And I said, yeah, it says cucumber, so I planted cucumbers. But cantaloupe came up. No, what the truth is, the truth is I planted cantaloupe, and that's exactly what came up. You see, what you plant is what's going to come up. Are you planting faith? Are you planting faith in the life of your kids? Are you planting faith in the life of your family? Are you digging deep and planting and planting and planting and planting and planting? Let me tell you something. There'll be some crops that won't come in. But you know, if you keep scratching that soil and you keep watering and you keep planting and you keep cultivating and you keep working by faith, I'm going to tell you something. God will do a work in your life. And so when you go out, you'll be waving the flag of triumph of Jesus Christ. You see, our, our pathway out of this life ought to be great victory. The Bible says we mourn, but not like those who have no hope. We mourn the loss of when people go, but you know what? It ought to be a celebration in God's people because they instantly they go from this life to the next. We look at the life of Isaac. A lot of failures, but he had faith. So the Bible lifts him up. We look at the life of Jacob. A lot of conflict, life of conflict. But you know what? He was a man of faith. Now let's look at the last one, verse 22, and we'll, we'll circle the wagons pretty quick here. Joseph. What do we find out about Joseph? Pretty simple stuff. Write this down. Joseph had faith through suffering and exaltation. Joseph's life, you know, do you know Joseph 
never got to live in the promised land. Never. Joseph never got to live. Abraham, God made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Isaac. He made a promise to Jacob. And Jacob and, and Joseph is going to learn this same promise applies to him. But he, the others at least got to hang out there. After he was a youngster and gets sold into slavery, Joseph never again gets to even go to the promised land. And yet, you know what he says? Read that verse. He says, hey, when God takes you guys out of here, take my bones with you. You know, now listen to this, listen to this. He didn't get to own the promised land in this life, but the promised land got to own him. How about that? You see, because his, his bones were buried there. What happened to Joseph? Sold into slavery, suffered. For what? You can't say he was a bad guy. He loved God with all of his heart. He goes and he works his way up as the, as the head honcho of the the head honcho of Potiphar's household and what he gets lied about and he stays faithful to his boss. And what happens? He gets rewarded real well. He gets sent to prison. And then in prison, he, he works and, and rises up. He becomes buddies with the baker and the butler and he, he interprets their dreams. And one of them says, hey, when I get out of here, I'll help you out. And then he forgets about him. And then he gets to interpret some stuff for Pharaoh, doesn't he? What happens to Joseph? Through all that suffering, did he, did he curse God and die? No, he didn't. You know what he did? He continued to have faith. He continued to have faith through suffering. Maybe today you're, you're a person that your family's been through hell. And you don't understand why. Well, I won't preach over uh, uh, why we suffer today. I, I, I can. We've preached over that before. We won't today. But I'll tell you this. Here's what God wants from you. He wants to see your faith no matter what's happening in your life. I tell young couples this often when I counsel them for marriage. I tell the guy this especially. I said, now listen to this. And I didn't practice this as a young married person. I think I, I practice it much better today, but here's what I tell them. She needs your love the most when she deserves it the least. When she deserves it, it's easy to love her, right? But when she's been a jerk... It ain't so easy, is it, fellas? Right? When she's acting like a mad kitty cat, it's not <laughs> quite as easy, is it? Right? <laughs> it's a little harder, isn't it? Oh, come here, chicken bro. You know, it's a little harder, right? What do you want to do? Shut up! <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what? Through all that awful, and you got to say awful. Can you imagine being sold into a foreign country, not know the language, not know the customs? Now, I've been overseas. I've been in other countries. Let me tell you something. It's tough just visiting sometimes. And yet, you know what we see? We see a heart of faith in God no matter what comes. Now, the other side suddenly happens to Joseph. Suddenly, he gets exalted. And what's the danger when we get exalted? It'll go to our head, won't it? It'll go to our head, won't it? You know what? If my brothers had done, I don't have a brother, but if I had brothers and they'd done to me what, what, what Joseph's brothers did to him, you know, he, he played it cool for a while and let them suffer just a little bit, but I, I, I don't know that I'd have been as kind as him. 
I might have, I might have eventually embraced him, but I'd have got in some pretty good shots first. You know what I'm saying? Probably said something about me. But here's the bottom line. Notice what he says. If you look in Genesis, you'll see this. Here's what he says. When, when Jacob dies, they're all scared to death. What? He's going to do them in. He says, hey, guys, what you did, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. And then it says he had great compassion for them, them and their little ones. You see, Joseph in suffering humbled himself before God. Joseph, in exultation, when he was on top of the heap, humbled himself before the hand of God. The Bible says this, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. So what do we find out about these three guys? And each one of them are dying. When they're dying, what do they say? When they're dying, they go, God, I know you're in charge. I believe your promises. And I'm hanging with you. So through, through failure, through conflict, through suffering, through exaltation, what does God want? He wants you to love Him, trust Him, believe in Him. Paul said this, made this great statement. He says in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In Corinthians, he says this, Death is swallowed up in victory. So what's the message today? There'll be a day when you will go from this life. They'll have a casket or an urn at the front somewhere. Right? That's what they'll have. They'll have a casket at the, at the front or a urn. And they'll say, there's old Bill. There's old Bill. But you know what? Old Bill won't be there. But you know what? Here's what I want to do. When I go out, and I don't know how that'll be. My family don't live long. They go fast and hard and go out quick, and that's fine. All right? You know what I hope I'm doing? I hope and pray that if people don't get any other message, they may say, you know, he could be a real jerk. They may say, you know, I couldn't get along with that guy for nothing. They say, you know, that guy just seemed like he always had a hard time suffering. He must have been really wicked. They may say, you know, that guy, when he got exalted, he had such a big head. I don't know what they're going to say because you know what? It really doesn't matter. What matters is what God says. And I want God to say, that's my guy because no matter what came, he trusted me. Let me tell you something, Daddy. You want to leave a legacy? You, you, you leave a legacy of trust in God no matter what happens. And God will honor you for it, and he'll honor your family for it. Now today, here's the point. Here's the real message today. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior, there's one way to, to a fulfilling life. There's one way to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. Without faith in Jesus Christ, it's impossible to please God. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how many good deeds you think you've done. I don't care about all that stuff. Because, you know, in the, in the final analysis, here's what matters. Have you surrendered 100% your life to Jesus Christ and Him crucified, recognizing He's the only way to God? If you haven't this morning, God wants to change your life. Now, here would be the greatest tragedy today for you to walk out of this room Exactly how you came in. 
that'd be a tragedy. And you may say, well, you're not a very good preacher. Okay, that's okay. I'd have got something if you'd have been any good. Okay, that's all right. But you know what? The Bible says the word of the Lord doesn't return void. So if you've looked at the word of the Lord, and I've said one little thing that made sense, then you ought to go out different than you came in. So here's the challenge today. Go out different than you came in. I'm going to say a prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to the folks that, that lead the place, okay? Here's what I want to challenge you. Do not go out without considering what Jesus Christ wants to do in you. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for these wonderful men of faith. Father, they had failures. They had conflict. Father, they suffered. Father, they were exalted. And through it all, they trusted you. Father, when it it was their day to go out, they were waving the flag of faith. Father, that's what you said about them, that they were men of faith. Father, I pray that this precious body of believers called Stonegate might become known as people of faith. Father, not just people who are who are with it, or people who are smart, or people who are gifted and talented, or even spiritual, but Father, people of faith. That when the world sees Stonegate, they see people of unbelievable faith, no matter what happens. In the worst situation, they say, man, how do they do it? But, but they seem to have faith no matter what comes. Father, may that ever be so in this body of believers. Lord, I pray your richest blessing. I thank you for your friendship. And Lord, I thank you for letting me be just a little bitty part of what you're doing at Stonegate. Thank you. I praise your name for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.